I just know he gets into a bathtub. Well, the big problem for me was that he jumped in with his shoes on, which that really turned me off. Um, <laughs> I was Lois Lane. You gotta, you gotta stop that right there. I mean, no matter, no matter the gesture, you're you're wearing shoes in the bathtub. You gotta, you gotta go, pal. I don't know if that's a hot take, though. I feel like most people would agree with that one. I mean, personally, when I take a bath, I only take a bath with my shoes what on. What kind of shoes? Dress shoes? Flip flops? What are we talking? Crocs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. We are the Arnies, and we've got nothing better to do than be here with you. I'm your host, Austin Terry, and I'm joined, as always, by my best buds and co-hosts, Matt Johnson and Keith Baker. Matt, how's it going? Well, I just finished up a nine-hour shift at work. Couldn't be more ready to talk about my favorite film of all time, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, the one that's 30 minutes longer than the other one. <laughs> and Keith, it's good to see you. How you doing? Doing good. I actually uh, shaved my face for this episode uh, today, as Batman did. You definitely got to look good for those audio shows, Keith. Since I can see you, I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Going method. We all have a face for audio. All right. Well, today we will be continuing our tour of Zack Snyder's DC Extended Universe with the highly divisive film Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. This is the second installment in Zack's DC series and a direct sequel to Man of Steel. This film introduces a multitude of new characters to the audience, but does the expanding of its world come at the expense of the story? Yes. Yes. Yes, it most definitely does. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Matt, any thoughts on today's episode? Yeah, once again, we talked about last time with Man of Steel that it was a movie that when I saw it originally, I just really didn't care for it. And then I saw it again, and I liked it even less. And then we watched it for this show. I liked it more. So kind of the same scenario here. I saw it when it came out in theaters. Um, I guess I would have been in college and didn't like it. Didn't I kind of agreed with most of the reviews. I, that's kind of how I felt about it. I just thought it was just so overbloated. Um and then I saw it again with you guys because you wanted to watch the ultimate edition, which is like 30 minutes longer with, you know, new stuff, lots of deleted scenes, obviously. And I really didn't like it either. I may have even fallen asleep during parts of it. it I definitely just was not into it at all. And then when we watched it for this. I was, you know, again, pleasantly surprised. I found myself enjoying it at the very least a lot more than I did the previous times. I think this movie takes way more big swings than Man of Steel does. And uh, this movie also misses a lot more than it hits, unfortunately, whereas I felt Man of Steel ended up hitting a lot more than it missed. So I appreciate, you know, the different takes on the lore, but ultimately I think this movie just has a lot of problems. Awesome. Well, let's get into just some of the intro stuff to the movie. Um, This film was released on March 25th, 2016, directed by Zack Snyder, written by Chris Torrio and David S. Goyer, and scored by Hans Zimmer, who returns, and joined by newcomer Junkie XL. Um, And some of the main cast here, Superman is Henry Cavill, 
uh, Bruce Wayne is kind of the big casting of this movie, and that's Ben Affleck. Keith, what were your thoughts when you heard Ben Affleck was going to be playing Batman? When I first uh, heard that he's me playing Batman, I was kind of taken aback by it just because I don't know. I think Ben Affleck, I think like Goodwill Hunting or like the accountant or something like that or the town. And I was, it was kind of weird to think that he's me playing Bruce Wayne. But uh, once he got into it, once I saw him, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought he resembled a lot of the uh, Bruce Wayne in um, the animated series, which I was a big fan of and watched a lot of, uh, especially, you know, like physically, you know, he bulked up for the role. So he definitely. Got into shape for it, and then I think his mannerisms as well also were uh, definitely similar to the animated series, and and we'll get into more later what the uh, the Batcave looked like. Yeah, um, and so the rest of the cast here, uh, Wonder Woman uh, was announced that Gal Gadot will be playing her. Amy Adams returns as Lois Lane, um, and we have Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. Uh, Diane Lane returns as Martha Kent, and then Jeremy Irons as Alfred, and Holly Hunter as Senator June Finch. Um, so this movie comes out, it had a budget of $300 million, um, and it grossed $873 million worldwide. Um, and while those figures sound great, it did experience a historic drop-off in its second weekend of sales. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that was probably in large part due to the negative reviews. I think whenever people are, you know, like so hotly anticipating a movie and then it gets really bad reviews, I think that kind of leads to a bit of a drop-off. And now that we're in the age of rotten tomatoes i think as each year goes by i feel like more and more people rely on those like critic reviews um to see if they're going to go see a movie or not so when a movie like this gets like a 25 or whatever it got in rotten tomatoes i think people nowadays just kind of you know use that and say i'm not going to see it at least not in theaters because yeah i think uh yeah i remember that whenever that was it was such a huge drop off but it still was pretty successful ultimately right yeah, I mean, the critical response to this movie definitely had a huge impact on its um, performance in theaters. Um, it did start off with a really strong opening weekend, which kind of helped it be successful. Um, but kind of some of the things that critics said about this movie, um, it launched with 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so that's definitely a very low for a film of this caliber and this highly anticipated. They felt the film spent too much time world building instead of telling a good story. Um, and they always felt like the main disagreement between Batman and Superman, their main difference has always been different ideals in the past, but they're kind of both dark in this movie. So they don't really appear to have opposing ideals. Um, And they also felt that the movie just really leaves the audience drained and is not a very fun film. Hmm. Well, I can definitely speak on the first time I saw it, but the first time I saw it, I think I was under the influence of some alcohol. So I I fell asleep while watching it and i think i woke up during the uh the battle scene with um uh doomsday was it was it doomsday I right <laughs> i get the names wrong <laughs> yeah yeah it's doomsday and, and we'll get to him later um but yeah. i do want to get in to the trailers and the marketing of this movie um what i remember is um i wasn't really too interested in this film just because it was a film dedicated to batman and superman fighting i mean that's literally the title of the movie and that didn't re- really excite me. Um, I did start to get a little excited when they released some of the stills of uh, Ben Affleck's Bruce Wayne standing in the wreckage of uh, Metropolis after Man of Steel and just looking so, um, I guess, disturbed and angry. And I, I really liked that uh, device in this film and, and those stills definitely excited me. Uh, but then they released that trailer where they spoil the doomsday thing and that, 
uh, really negatively impacted my excitement for this film. Yeah, I remember that trailer too. I mean, this movie had some pretty great trailers and then maybe one or two not so good ones. But I think there was a Comic-Con trailer, which was where I first got really excited. And that's where I first saw the Bruce Wayne. It's basically just like the opening scene of the movie with Bruce Wayne and Metropolis. Um, But yeah, whenever that trailer came around, whichever one it was that spoiled Doomsday, I didn't really care that they spoiled it. And certainly after seeing the movie, I thought that they mishandled it. So it's not like it really mattered to me. But yeah, definitely I remember being surprised that they, you know, dropped that big of a thing in the in the trailer but yeah it is what it is i guess you know that's kind of marketing for you lots of movies do that yeah i just kind of wonder if this movie would have been received differently at first if they hadn't spoiled the doomsday thing i don't know i mean it it was still pretty shitty whenever we actually saw the movie so (laughs) i don't think they would have been any nicer about it but that's just my opinion um, okay, so let's just get right into the beginning of this film. Um, this movie opens with another fantastic Hans Zimmer score, um, and we get right into the origin story of uh, Batman, Bruce Wayne. Um, I'm, I really like the origin in this uh, film, but I'm, I, I think my favorite thing about it is that it's quick. Yeah, I think that's definitely appreciated. At that point, you know, we had just come off the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy, there was the animated, the various animated series. There was also, you know, the Michael Keaton movies and, you know, the Joel Schumacher ones, tons of shows, comics, obviously. So we've seen this is just as iconic as, you know, Uncle Ben dying in Spider-Man. So I think we really didn't need to see it again. But, you know, since it's a new Batman, I guess it makes sense to do an interpretation of it, even though it ends up being pretty similar. But yeah, I agree with you. At the very least, it doesn't go past the opening credits. There's no awkward flashback to it it's just the opening credits play out and by the time it's done and we get the title card um you know we've already gotten the whole murder of the parents stuff stuff out of the way yeah and on a rewatch i think i i'd forgotten how much i kind of like that thomas wayne does try to fight like he kind of looks like a brawler whenever uh joe chill comes out um keith did you like did you like the thomas wayne fighting thing uh yeah i like that because i'm trying to remember other versions i've seen of that moment when they get killed and i'm pretty sure they never had like a chance of fighting back right it was just get murdered yeah, in cold that's blood how it goes i mean usually tries to defuse the situation with either offering money or just you know playing it cool and staying calm um this one was definitely different you know tried to punch him i'm not i've never had to fight for my life personally but i just feel like lunging for a guy that far away is just not gonna go well for you um uh, he got shot pretty quick um, and then she doesn't really do anything and she gets shot for it, which was kind of sad, but I guess that's how, uh, Martha Wayne usually goes down. Yeah. Again, I mean, I feel like we talked about this so many times with man of steel and I'm probably going to say it a bunch more times in this movie. I appreciate that Zack Snyder wanted to do something different with it. It's just, I think, you know, while ultimately kind of the idea of Thomas Wayne fighting back is cool in a vacuum, the execution was a little bit silly with him just out of nowhere, just trying to punch this guy that he clearly wasn't in arm's reach of. Okay, so after we get through the Batman origin, um, we get right into the, I guess, kind of the main opening scene of this film. And that's, uh, it opens with the ending of Man of Steel. Um, We see that satellite crashing back to Earth with Superman and General Zod fighting through Metropolis. Um, We get to see this from Bruce Wayne's point of view. 
And I remember liking this in the theaters, but I forgot how much I really enjoy this scene um, when I was rewatching it for this. Um, I think it's really cool. I think it's a great opening to the show. And I really like that they kind of address that collateral damage from Man of Steel uh, just like right off the bat. Yeah, I don't know if this was done in response to Man of Steel, where there was so much collateral damage. I don't know if this was kind of a retroactive decision uh, to address it. But either way, I think it works really well. It's very effective. And seeing it from the people on the ground's perspective, essentially, was definitely powerful. And the idea of not only is it the people on the ground, one of them is Bruce Wayne, you know, the Batman. So very cool way to do it. And we get to see Ben Affleck, you know, in full on Bruce Wayne mode very quickly. And I think, you know, even after this opening scene, we're on board with him. It's a very effective way to make to for us to understand his point, you know, whether or not the Superman is trying to do the right thing or not, we see what he's capable of, the destruction that this guy's cap- capable of pulling off relatively easily. It's not hard for him to do this stuff. So, you know, we kind of get why Batman would disagree with him and kind of want to take him down, at least if there's a chance that he'd ever turn. But um, again, you know, I think most, most of, like, I think out of most of the scenes in this film, this one's executed for the most part very well. There are a couple of silly things in here. You know, Bruce Wayne is on the ground. He immediately hops in his car and tries to, I guess, drive. I guess he's trying to drive to Wayne Enterprises. I guess that's the idea. Um, and at some point he calls, I guess, a friend of his clearly that works there. And when the guy answers the phone, Bruce Wayne, obviously, like he's experiencing the destruction of Metropolis. So he's naturally like, Jack, Jack, are you there? And this guy cuts to him and he's like, Bruce? (laughs) It's like, wrong. And then on top of that, the camera pans over and we see all of these Wayne Enterprise workers still in this building as the other ones are coming down. And it's like, at some point, I don't know what the strategy is, but I feel like staying in the building can't be a good one. Um, and for some reason, I guess they needed Bruce Wayne's A-OK in order for them to evacuate. <laughs> so that was a little bit silly. Well, Matt, Wayne Enterprises, they hire a different class of You're people. Right. They don't. They want people who, they're not just going to bail if, if buildings start going down around them. They're going to keep working until literally the owner of their company calls them and says, get out of That's the building. That's fair. No, you're right. I should have thought about that. Um, and then we get into that kind of goofy scene of him saving that guy named Wally. And this guy ends up being a pretty important character. I mean, this guy really kind of is involved in a lot of things here, including the trial of Superman most notably. But yeah, dude, this scene is such a weird opening to this character. Like if we didn't, if like this was just a scene to show off, you know, Bruce Wayne's like need to save people. And that was it. Cool. I'd be fine with it. But this guy's, this is his introduction as like one of the main characters. And Oh my God. It's so weird. So Bruce Wayne's, trying to figure out what's going on. He's trying to help people. And then he like hears, I guess from behind him, he hears, Mr. Wayne, Mr. Wayne, is that you? And then he turns around and there's this guy, you know, obviously terrifying. He's like a steel girder. He's trapped under, his legs are completely caught. And he goes over and this commences another great Zack Snyder back and forth of dialogue where Bruce Wayne goes, I'm going to get you out of here. Don't worry. And then he like, I guess he looks at a name tag that this guy must've been wearing. He's like, Wallace. Yeah, yeah. He's Wallace. They call you Wally, right? And then the guy's response is not, yeah, that's what they call me. Or yeah, help, help. Thanks for helping. His response is, you're the boss, boss. <laughs> Dude, what was this? It's like, you're the boss. Okay. That was like, right? a weird line by itself, but he chooses to say, you're the boss, boss. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened here. Maybe he thought that he 
did like a misread of the line when he first said the word boss. So he just said it again. And then Zack Snyder was like, eh, we'll keep it in. I don't know. This movie was already three hours. So why cut anything out? <laughs> True. Um, okay. So we do get a quick shot of some people um, finding kryptonite in the Indian Ocean. Uh, it's later revealed that Lex Luthor uh, gets that sample of kryptonite. Here's here's a good example of a Zack Snyder change, I felt. Because like in other interpretations, kryptonite usually just kind of shows up on Earth and it's like supposed to be like chunks of krypton, which is already kind of a reach because of the whole idea that, you know, Superman, somehow he got to Earth. Good for him. Like that that's crazy that that happened. But then also like chunks of krypton also get to Earth. Kind of stupid. So I thought it was really cool that the way they justify kryptonite being here is the world engine from Man of Steel that was terraforming Earth to make it habitable for Kryptonians actually left behind chunks of Kryptonian rock. So I thought that was really a cool way to do it. So, it, you know, cool change. I liked it. Yeah, I think, I think it works. I, I think it's really cool too. Um, but really the next big scene in this movie is uh, we go to Africa where we find Lois Lane, who's um, on assignment. Um, she's investigating a warlord who is surrounded by all these mercenary soldiers, um, one of them being Zack Snyder's interpretation of a minor character named KG Beast. Um, And we also run into Jimmy Olsen, who's a CIA agent, but undercover as a photographer. Um, And this scene really takes place with um, Jimmy Olsen gets his cover blown. The mercenary or the warlord takes Amy Adams into like a dungeon. And then the mercenaries do their thing where they kind of murder all his soldiers and start burning the bodies and Superman shows up and then um, he flies away or he, he kills the warlord and flies away with Lois Lane. And then you realize that he's uh, being framed by these mercenaries to look like he went rogue and killed all these. Uh, well, that's a funny choice of words because it certainly looked like he killed this warlord. I mean, he literally flew at him at top speed. And not only that, like pushed him through multiple brick walls. So it definitely seems like he killed him. But then later on, Two things. One, that doesn't make any sense as a follow-up to Man of Steel, where he kills Zod, and it's supposed to like make him never want to kill again. And also, <laughs> there's a line later, I think, like Lois Lane says something like, Clark, you don't understand. This is a big deal because they're framing you. They think Superman killed these people. And he's like, I didn't kill anyone. And it's like, huh? But wait, back it up a sec. I didn't even rec- I didn't realize this before. When they killed all those people in the uh, African desert or whatever, they shot him. They right? did, and again, they shot him. But then they they burned the bodies to make it look like Superman used his heat wave. Oh, okay. I was about to say, well, couldn't they just go and see the bullet holes in them and tell? I, I don't know how that works. I would assume so. Again, I think unfortunately Zack Snyder's not a doctor, so I think he just kind of winged it when it came to that. <laughs> Yeah, and, and to your point, Keith, um, this will be a plot device later in the movie, but Amy Adams does pick up a bullet casing, uh, which she'll use later on in the film. Um, and we also eventually learn that these mercenaries are working for Lex Luthor. So it's kind of, you see him early on pulling the strings in this right. movie. Um, so Got then it. we get into the Senate testimony um, for what happened in Africa. Um Superman's on trial for basically going rogue and acting without any jurisdiction or authority. Um, when they originally marketed this movie, they kind of framed it like this trial was taking place over the results of the end of Man of Steel. And to me, that was really interesting. And I think 
it kind of would would have been a really interesting plot device to show like how Superman fits into our like real world where he does all this destruction and then he does go on trial and everything. Um, but it's actually revealed to be a result of what happened in Africa, which is still interesting, but I think it would have been more compelling if he'd been on trial for the destruction of Metropolis. Yeah, I think the main issue with it is ultimately we spend so much time with this trial because of what happened in Africa with Superman. But if they had cut all of that out, it would have still worked, like you said, if they had just focused on the destruction of Man of Steel. So really, when you break it down, the only reason they even had that, had these scenes was because later on, they tell you that Lex Luthor was the one pulling the strings behind it. But I mean, he does other evil stuff. So it's like, I feel like that probably would have sufficed. But again, I, I think ultimately, we didn't really need all this stuff. Yeah, and we, we also meet Holly Hunter's um, Senator June Finch in this scene. And I really like her character. I think Holly Hunter gives a great performance in this movie. Mm-hmm. Call back to Elastigirl. Incredible. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that is true. Good callback, Keith. <laughs> um, okay. So the next scene, then we do meet um, the actual Batman. He um, it looks like he's taking down, um, I guess, people who are involved in sex trafficking. That's kind of how it's framed. Um, the cops enter this abandoned building and um, they meet these victims who say there's still a demon in the house and they, um, the cops try to get them out of the building, but they want to stay in because they're scared of the demon. And eventually we see Batman um, up in the rafters uh, kind of crawling away, I guess. Yeah, this is so stupid. I mean, again, I feel like Zack Snyder just really, really needs a better editor or just he needs to work with an editor that's willing to stand their ground because, I mean, this just seems like a perfect example of a scene that they could have cut right when it does the close-up of the guy that's you know, the criminal in chains and then it zooms in on the bat brand. Um, we didn't need to then see the, the cop turn around and see Batman, who this is the big intro to Batman. He just looks stupid. He's just somehow hanging in the corner and then the guy takes a shot at him and somehow he wall crawls like Spider-Man really fast and he crawls out a hole. It's so bad looking. It's so dumb. And this is our big intro to Batman, you know, obviously a huge character. So probably if, if it were me, I wouldn't just cut that out. But again, this movie had to be four and a half hours or else they couldn't have put it out by Zack Snyder's standards. So I get why they kept it in. It's really weird that we're introduced to him in such a goofy way, too, because Zack Snyder is on record saying how badly he's always wanted to make a Batman movie. And this is how he decides to introduce his favorite. Well, it's hero. so funny because like um, Ben Affleck is top build in this movie so it's like i wonder what henry cavill's thoughts were whenever he made man of steel and then Zack snyder just can't talk about like he can't stop talking about how much he loves batman and wants to make a batman movie then they make this follow-up batman v superman and henry cavill has like five lines throughout the movie yeah um and let's just touch on the bat brand really quick so we don't have to talk about it anymore because it's really dumb and i can't stand it in this film yeah so Bat Brand, interesting. I don't really remember the theatrical cut because, um, again, we watched the Ultimate Edition. So from what I recall, in the theatrical version, don't they tease that the Bat Brand is actually Lex Luthor doing it? And the idea is that people get branded, they go to prison, and then Lex Luthor pays criminals on the inside to kill them, I guess, right? That's how it's framed, but then you see him with the brand on his hand. Like you see Batman with the brand on his hand later on. And so 
it's very weird because it looks like they're both. So doing even it. even if the idea that Batman's the one doing the branding and then Lex Luthor is just hiring people in prison to kill um, the people with the brand to make Batman look like judge, jury, and executioner. Well, I don't understand why Batman doesn't then stop branding people. I, I'm not really sure. I mean, again, obviously something to talk about, we'll get to it, but Batman, this version of Batman kills people, not just like, it's not like, you know, the Christian Bale movies where he kind of, I guess, kills, you know, Ra's al Ghul by, you know, not killing him, but he's also not going to save him. Or like with the Two-Face stuff, like jumping off the, uh, the ledge of that building. Here, Batman, Bruce Wayne, the Ben Affleck version is just, without real hesitation, is murdering dozens and dozens of people. So I guess maybe the idea is that he was branding people and then didn't care if they died. I don't really know. Again, for a movie this long, it was kind of odd that there's so many weird kind of points of, I feel like I needed clarification on some things. Um, I know they really never established that this Batman doesn't kill, but from my point of view, even if you don't establish it, everybody knows at this point that Batman doesn't kill because there's been so many iterations. He's been around for so long. So you don't have to establish it in your movie for it to still be really weird to see Batman murdering a bunch of people. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I know they have done iterations where Batman does kill, which is fine if they want to you know, do it that way. Um, I guess my thing is it's just odd that they never really address it head on. There's a couple lines where, you know, Superman's writing a piece on it. And one of the guys he's quoting, I guess, says that he's a different kind of evil and he's hunting. Then Alfred has references where he talks about, you know, this world turning good men cruel and that, you know, he's changed over time, which is fine. It's just, I felt kind of odd that they never really go into that change. We do see the presumably Jason Todd Robin suit. So I guess he got killed by the Joker and maybe they're making a play that after that, this version of Batman started killing people. But again, since we're not getting, you know, these Ben Affleck Batman solo movies, I feel like maybe they should have just tried to address it here because ultimately it's just a little bit confusing and it makes them a bit, unredeemable by the end because at the end of the movie he's talking about how superman has inspired him and that he doesn't i guess he wants to be a better person but at that point it's like i don't know this guy kind of sucks i mean there must have been at least a couple of these people that he killed that were just people trying to make ends meet <laughs> they uh established that he would he was in the batman business for like 20 right, years yeah. right yeah so yeah maybe he did change for the worse i think that's i think that's what they're going for but um, yeah, I guess we're never going to find out. Yeah. So moving on now, we do see um, our first shot of the Batcave in this film. And we also meet Jeremy Irons, Alfred. And um, I really enjoy Jeremy Irons in this film. Um, I'm kind of bummed he, you know, for the foreseeable future is not returning. But for the purpose of this movie, I think he is like this movie's Russell Crowe. I see what you're going for. You know, the Russell Crowe version of Jor-El was certainly a big departure from the previous versions, like the Marlon Brando version. The older words. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like they did the same thing with Alfred, which was smart because I think if they had done another kind of just really prim and proper butler that offers like sage advice every now and then, like the Michael Caine version, I feel like it would have gotten a bit old and a bit tired. Um, so I like that the ver this version of Alfred is he kind of stands up to Bruce a bit more. He doesn't, you know, like he does in the comics and other iterations, he doesn't do anything about Batman's actions, at least, you know, for the most part, he just kind of says snarky things to him. But I did like to see that he was very involved in like, you know, like the, 
like medicine and he's like in charge of Batman's arsenal. And then at one point at the end, he controls the Batwing for Batman. So it's kind of like he can operate it as a drone. So I'd like that he was much more involved. I thought that was a really cool different take. Yeah. And Keith, I know you really like the Batcave um, in this film too. Yeah, definitely. I like the, uh, the opening and the, uh, was it a lake, right? There's a lake opening right? the bat, the bat um, mobile jumps into and it has the iconic driveway going down to the uh, the waterfall and all that. So, yeah, that was really cool. Kind of a callback to the uh, animated series. Yeah, for sure. Way. I like that as well. So so next um, we are taken to LexCorp where we, uh, for the first time, are introduced to Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor. Um, he's kind of meeting with some senators and tells them that he wants to basically make a weapon as a silver bullet to deter uh, Superman should he ever decide to go rogue. Um, and let's just touch on Jesse Eisenberg's performance as Lex Luthor. For me personally, um, I can't stand him. He's my least favorite part of this movie. I don't understand why his hair is red. I don't understand why it's long. I don't understand why his voice is squeaky. Um, I can't stand him. He annoys me every time he's on screen. And I personally never want to see him again as Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jesse. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I, I don't completely agree. I like the performance itself. I like the different take. I like how manic he is. I like how unhinged he seems from the get-go and how he just seems to deteriorate as time goes on. Certainly a different take on Lex Luthor. Um, so yeah, like I said, I like the performance. It's just the motivation for this character is just, I mean, I feel like I would even use the word nonsensical. I just really don't know what he's going for other than like philosophical ideals kind of upset him about Superman's existence. But to go this far and have this many people killed and, you know, blow up an entire courthouse full of people, I just don't really understand, you know, what the idea was here. I mean, at the end of the movie, we see that he's seemingly corrupted by the mother boxes. Um, but that happens at the very end. So it's not like that happened at the beginning and that kind of, you know, fucked him up for the rest of the movie. Um, so I don't really know why this guy is so unhinged. I like the performance, but the motivation is just all over the place. But for the sake of starting at this scene that we're at, I did like where they started, which is that he wants to kind of like Batman. I guess he's the dark side of Batman, even darker side. Um, but he wants to weaponize the kryptonite in case Superman ever goes bad or in case other threats ever come. So granted, where he ends up at the end of the movie, I don't know if he was telling the truth, if that was really what he wanted to do, but at least that's where they started. And I guess I was at least on board with him for the beginning, because I mean, we can't really blame him after seeing Metropolis get leveled. And that was, and that's why he, you know, attacked the, um, the courthouse, right? Because he had a contract with Finch and Finch cut his ass off because he was going AWOL with, with it or whatever. Well, he want he wants Finch to um, like basically sign off on his weapon, and she tells him no. But then her partner agrees to give him access to the Kryptonian ship. Um, but because she tells him no, that's when he kind of starts his conflict with her. Her assistant says yes. That prompts him to not say thank you, but to stick a red Jolly Rancher in his mouth and then lick his fingers. Which I mean, we've all been there. But I was just surprised that they put it on film, frankly. And for me, I don't mind the character in this film. It's solely the performance. I can't stand Jesse Eisenberg gotcha. in this movie. Yeah, so I guess we're on the opposite there. Um, but yeah, again, with the courthouse stuff, though, it, it's kind of confusing. Because it's like, yeah, I think he just wants to kill Finch because of her denying him. But at the same time, I think 
he's also making a play to make it look like Superman did this. I guess that's his idea to, with his whole thing at the end, like if God is all powerful, then he cannot be all good. So I guess he just wants to tear Superman down and make it look like that he's corrupt. But again, I don't really know. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I I did pick up a little bit on his motivation, um, but I'll save that when we get to where it's relevant. Um, okay, so the next scene is Bruce getting ready to go to Lex Luthor's party where he's trying to um, basically hack into LexCorp's mainframe. Um, in this scene, we get some nice shots of really more of the uh, Batcave. We see the Jason Todd Easter egg, and we just get a lovely shot of the Bat-Ass when he's showering. Oh, yes, the Bat-Ass. Good job, Ben Affleck. Um, and then we're at, so then we go to the party uh, at LexCorp where once again, he's trying to uh, kind of get some data from LexCorp's mainframe. Um, we're introduced to Gal Gadot's uh, Wonder Woman, who is there as Diana. Um, she eventually steals his drive, but then later returns it to him. Um, we, we also see the first meeting of Clark Kent, who's there as a reporter, and Bruce Wayne. Um, and they kind of have a nice interaction. I really like this exchange, and I actually don't mind Jesse Eisenberg in this scene either. Yeah. I like this scene a lot. It's probably after the Metropolis sequence at the beginning. This is probably one of my favorite scenes as well. Um, I just really like the dialogue back and forth between Clark and Bruce. Again, even in the Ultimate Edition, there's never a moment where like, they show Clark finding out Bruce is Batman or Bruce finding out that Clark is Superman. Um, not that it would be hard to figure out Clark is Superman, but you know what I mean. So I guess maybe this scene is supposed to show that maybe they're figuring out who each other is. I don't really know. Um, but either way, the dialogue's really good. And I like that Lex interrupts them and that we see that Bruce kind of brushes him off. So clearly he has to like tolerate Lex because they run in the same circles, but he doesn't like him at all. Um, yeah, I think it's a fun, cool scene. And they even have, you know, they have the Joker reference in there, which is kind of fun for longtime Batman fans as well. Yeah, that that's the freaks dressed like clowns exchange. Yeah. Um, I, I like that line a lot. And we also do, they do kind of make it obvious that Clark can hear Alfred and Bruce's earpiece. Um, so maybe Clark can just start mm -hmm. to figure it out then. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's supposed to be a giveaway. Um, okay, so that then takes us into the Superman Goods de Good Deeds montage. Um, I think this is also in one of the trailers, but I had forgotten how much I really like this scene. It's just a shot of him saving a bunch of different people in, um, who need help. And we get some montages by different news figures, um, including... Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I thought this was cool. I liked it. I mean, we get to see Superman, like you said, saving a bunch of people in really extravagant ways. He's like saving an entire ship by just dragging, by dragging it by the anchor, catching her like a rocket while it's partway through exploding. Some cool stuff for sure. And we see that he looks miserable while doing it. And I think, you know, this was kind of supposed to show that I think I think the idea is that Superman really thought he was doing the right thing, at least in the aftermath of the Metropolis incident. Um, and maybe here he's worried that his actions will be misinterpreted or that they will continue to misinterpret like the Africa incident or the Metropolis incident. So he's not like really happy about what he's doing, but he's just doing it to save people. I don't really know. The only reason I'm going off that is because Henry Cavill's face is just in a scowl this entire montage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't really think that's henry cavill's fault i'm sure he was directed to look like that um so i i this is definitely henry cavill's worst this movie is definitely henry cavill's worst performance as superman 
Um, but I don't think that's a fault of his own. I think that's mainly attributed to the director and the writing. Yeah, I don't even know. It's hard to say. Because, I mean, I think the biggest disservice, he might be a little bit better in this movie for me, but the big disservice is that, like we talked about with Man of Steel, with a nonlinear storytelling, we don't really get to see too much of adult Clark until very late in the movie. And then here, Zack Snyder clearly wants to focus on Batman. So it's just like, we don't really get too much of Superman. And whenever we do, it's not like he's really saying anything profound or interesting. So yeah, again, I, I don't really, I feel like I just don't know this guy that well. And then he dies at the end and it's like, okay, right now I really don't know. Him. Um, okay, so then we... We don't really have to touch on this, but we get into that kind of weird prison scene with the Bat Baron and, and, and the guy with the Baron getting stabbed. It's never clear if that's Batman's doing or like Luther's doing. I guess it's doing. a combination. I don't um, know. Whatever. Yeah, it's weird and very confusing. Um, and then we have Batman trying to decrypt that drive from LexCorp that he eventually got back from Diana. Um, and this is where we get the now infamous nightmare scene. Yeah, I hate this. I don't, I don't get what this is supposed to do. I didn't like that he was wearing a jacket. He's in like a Red Dead Redemption duster almost. But he still has his bat mask on. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, I guess they're trying to set up um, the future a little bit. I mean, they show Darkseid's Omega symbol. So I guess the idea is that Darkseid has kind of destroyed the world for the most part. Um, and then we see evil Superman. But again, I mean, for how long this is, I just feel like they could have cut it out. I mean, at this point, we already understand that Bruce you know, won't tolerate Superman's actions. So it's not like we needed to see a dream sequence that, you know, hits that home even further. Again, yeah, it looks cool. I just don't really care. And then it does a really weird, like, horror movie trope almost, where Batman wakes up from this dream and then Flash comes from the future, you know, saying, am I too early? You know, Lois is the key. You were right. And then he goes away. And then Bruce wakes up again. There's papers everywhere too. So it's implied that that really happened. I don't know. It's weird. It's very weird. This is definitely one of the weirdest scenes and probably one of the most debated scenes, I think, in this film. Well, maybe when we get to Zack Snyder's version of Justice League, this will make sense. Who knows? Well, I don't even think this will be in Zack Snyder's version of Justice League because it's rumored that Justice League 3 was supposed to entirely take place in the nightmare world. I don't even know we were that far along, Zack. Jeez. Justice League three sounds like a pipe dream i don't know that could happen now it definitely sounds like a pipe dream maybe at the time it didn't um okay so then we have that shot of clark going over to gotham and doing some investigative journalism um he meets with that guy who tells him that he's hunting and he's more vicious than ever uh, referring to the batman mm -hmm. that was a cool line of dialogue i mean obviously we need that so pretty cool yeah and so then um the next scene is Batman tracking Lex's henchmen as they're unloading the kryptonite from the port. Um, we get to see the Batmobile for the first time, which I think this might be my favorite Batmobile. I did like the Tumblr and the Dark Knight trilogy, but this Batmobile is really cool, and I, I just really like the way it looks. He's definitely murdering a lot of people, though, in this car chase. <laughs> yeah, that's the trade-off. We get a really cool-looking Batmobile, but he murders so many people here. He goes through, like, four buildings, too, right? Or more. Yeah, and not only does he murder people, I mean, he, like, decapitates a bunch of people. He, like, crashes the Batmobile into the front windshield of a car, and there's two people in it, so I guess they got decapitated. And then he attaches a cable to a car, and then he, like, a wrecking ball, 
makes it hit another car and it also hits the front windshield and goes inward. So I guess those people also got decapitated. <laughs> At least Christian Bale knew how to drive his. Yeah. Ben Affleck was like all over the place. Like it was his first time. And I mean, also if, if anybody is concerned about like anybody in this universe concerned about all the destruction that Superman causes, how much destruction does Batman cause? Well, I don't even know because apparently even though this guy has been operating for 20 years, he's still a mythical figure. Like he's still somebody that people don't know. It's like he's a myth, the Batman or whatever, which is really strange because usually that's how they handle it. And like, well, Batman's early on, but here it's like, he's still this weird creature of myth. So it's like, they can't attribute the destruction to him, I guess. I guess they're just really leaning into like, you only see him if you're a criminal. I guess. Yeah. Um, and so during this car chase, eventually Batman crashes and Superman comes down, rips off the top of the Batmobile and basically tells him you're finished, hang up your cape and cowl. And then we get the do you bleed line as Superman flies away. Cool line, I guess. <laughs> Certainly setting up the fight. I mean, you know. I do. I think it's a cool shot. I, I love this. I love Superman like kind of hovering over the Batmobile and then Bruce Wayne stands up kind of to get eye to eye with him. I think it's I think it's cool looking at least. And that was in the uh, the trailer, right? I think that moment, which I thought was awesome when I first saw that trailer. Yeah, it's a good shot for sure. Um, and then we get a quick shot of uh, Lois in DC investigating that bullet that she recovered from the Africa scene where she eventually figures out um, it's a mercenary, basically black ops unit. And um, she begins to suspect that Clark was framed. And then the next thing we see is um, Holly Hunter's character inviting Superman to come testify before the Senate. Um, Superman eventually decides to come to the Senate testimony where um, eventually Lex Luthor blows up the entire courthouse, um, once again trying to frame Superman. Um, I actually really enjoy this scene. I think it's definitely a better scene in the Ultimate Edition, um, but I like how when the bomb goes off, you just see the look of like, oh no, not again on Superman's face. Like You can tell he's just really had it with basically misery following him everywhere he goes. Yeah, and he's still, even so, in the Ultimate Edition, tries to save a bunch of people by flying them out to the paramedics, I guess, in front of the courthouse, which is really cool. I liked that. Yeah, it's very weird that that got cut from the theatrical cut. Yeah, um, but yeah, I do like the idea of this in a vacuum. I like that Lex took somebody that was really, you know, physically and mentally, I guess, hurt by the Metropolis incident. Um, somebody that, you know, ended up losing their limbs, losing their family and takes them and kind of manipulates them into hating both Bruce Wayne and Superman. And then not only that takes it a step further, you know, provides them with a way to walk, not a way to walk, but a way to get around and <laughs> basically makes this thing out of lead, shoves a bomb in it so Superman can't tell and then just blows him up in a courthouse killing everybody else. Well, and if you've only seen the theatrical cut, you don't even know that that scooter is made out of lead. Yeah, I only saw that, so I didn't know. They never say, like, in this universe that Superman can't see through lead. I feel like that's one of the things, if you, like, see other versions, you know. But it is it's kind of a funny scene if you just look at it not as a fan whenever. So, I think Jenna Malone's character tells Lois Lane, the scooter was made out of lead. And then it just cuts to Lois Lane, like, he couldn't see it. I feel like some people also watch that like, what? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so uh, Bruce Wayne's watching this on TV. He sees the courthouse blow up. I guess it's implied that he assumes that that was Superman's doing. So he goes to LexCorp and steals the kryptonite. 
Um, and then we see Lex eventually coming to LexCorp to find his kryptonite's been stolen. Um, kind of weird that he leaves a Batarang as like a calling card, so Lex knows he took it. Yeah, again, and then Lex's big thing at the end is like his final, I guess, touch to his plan is that Superman and Batman are going to fight to the death. But again, Batman's like a mythical person. And so, yeah, it's like, is the fact that he left this weird calling card like the reason he's like, I'll pit them against each other? I have no idea. I don't understand how Lex's plan works, what the steps are how one event leads to something else. So I don't know. Yeah. And once Lex realizes the kryptonite's gone, this kicks off him uh, going to the Genesis chamber of the Kryptonian scout ship um, and eventually uh, creating doomsday. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty surprising. Again, I, I like the idea of using Zod's body to do it, but I just kind of think the execution was a bit botched when it came to doomsday. It just ends up being kind of a silly CGI monster. Yeah, and we'll get to him later, but Matt, this is where I do want to explain to you Lex's motivation in this film. Oh, okay, please. Um, his dad was mean to him. Oh, he had daddy issues. Okay. I'm on board. And not only was his dad mean to him, um, Superman wasn't around when his dad was mean to him. Does he say that? <laughs> if he says that, that's his Matt's all wrong, then, because isn't Superman only 33 years old? He wouldn't... How old yeah. is Lex? He must be younger uh, at this well, point. So you want to you want a five year old Superman to come save him? I guess I don't know. He he has this whole like dialogue where he says something about fathers and stuff, and he's like, "They only give you trouble." Where was Superman when my daddy was mean to me? It's something he was in like diapers. That. That's where he was. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. I didn't catch that. Yeah, it's once again not a great motivation to spend all your time and money on creating a weapon to take down the guy who was five at the time that your daddy was being mean to you. Um, and then we get this very weird scene that shouldn't have been in the movie, but it's um, Diana opening up the flash drive from Bruce and basically seeing the movie trailers for Cyborg, Aquaman, and Flash. Yeah, this is all terrible. <laughs> this sucks. Uh, we get a we get a scene of Aquaman holding his breath underwater for some reason. Uh, we get a shot of Flash in like a really bad like black and white security cam footage with really weird greasy long hair, and then we get a weird CGI shot of Cyborg. But it's all his dad talking. We just kind of see him in the background. And if you don't know anything about Cyborg, I mean, we just see this weird cube like somehow turn on, I guess, and then like give him body parts. So. It did not need to be here, but I mean, if they hadn't put this here, we would have had zero idea who these people were come Justice League. Um, that's very that, true. That's why they had to put it in here. Yeah, and then uh, you know Lex kind of kicks off the rest of his plan. So Martha Kent gets kidnapped, um, and then Lois Lane also gets kidnapped um, once she receives that call about the chair being made of lead, and that is at the finale, pretty much of the second act. Yeah, so that's where that's kind of where this third act kicks off. Um, uh, Lex uses Lois to lure Superman to the tower, um, basically by chucking her off the roof, and I guess hoping Superman's in the area. He's always there somehow. Yeah, I mean that's kind of from the comics though. Superman's always saving Lois. Um, she's definitely 
I feel like she's a little bit underused because she kind of just gets forced into the damsel in distress role in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, I like the Lex scene with Superman again. I don't I have no idea what his motivations are. I don't know what he's going for. Um, but yeah, so this is where, you know, the scene itself was fine. I like that Superman basically bends the knee to this guy um, because he kidnapped his mom. Um, yeah, this scene's cool. And I, I really like how whenever Lex is throwing out the photos of his mom, um, Superman like looks up with a heat wave in his eyes. Basically, he's got those menacing red eyes and screams like, where is she? Um, I think that's really well done. Yeah. Um, and then basically Lex tells him, go kill the Batman and I'll let her live is basically the idea. So then Superman flies down to Lois and he's like, I like that at first he says, Lois, I got to go to Gotham. I have to convince him to help me talking about Bruce. And but I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. So he's like, kind of, he's going to try to, he's going to try and do something else that doesn't involve killing. He's going to yeah. convince this guy to help him and appeal to his humanity but then right after he finishes saying that, he's like, or he dies. It's like, oh, okay. So I get it. He's to save his mom. It's just like, at first, the scene seemed like it was going to be interesting. But then right away, it got less interesting. So then he flies off for our incredible, long-awaited battle that between Superman and Batman, different ideals, different motivations, coming to a head in just such a boring fight (laughs) (laughs) well yeah so we'll get into the fight um but i do want to say up until this point i'm still on board uh with batman's motivations Mm -hmm. um i think they'd make a good job of kind of his concern at least feeling justified um i don't know if he needs to be making a spear at this point but uh, at least his concerns about superman still feel justified where they really start to lose me is when Superman lands at the start of this fight and says, Bruce, wait, I don't want to do this. Please hear me out. And Batman just kicks off all his traps right away and just doesn't even bother to hear Superman out. It's just like giggling, like Kevin McAllister <laughs> in Home Alone, <laughs> setting up all his traps. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it gets right to the point. Yeah, Superman lands, is like, Bruce, help me. And then he just gets like blasted in the face by a bunch of machine guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and so on the way over the, I guess on this flight over there, um, you really see how much of sister cities Gotham and Metropolis are in this universe. What do you, right. what are y'all's thoughts on, on them being sister mm, cities? I was surprised at first when I first saw that. I was like, what? They're that close. It's like, what did they compare it to New York in uh, like, or Manhattan in Brooklyn or something like that? Well, they're, they're supposed to be like New York and Chicago's size, but really the, the, they're compared to like being sister cities, kind of like Minneapolis and St. Paul. Mm, that's interesting. I, Cause I always, yeah, show it, yeah. I always pictured Gotham to be yeah, in like the Midwest, like Chicago and then New York. I mean, um, Metropolis to be where New York is, but I guess not. Which makes me wonder where central city is. And uh, I'm guessing central city, maybe the Chicago of that universe, maybe. Well, it also makes you wonder if like up until where this movie starts, like the 18 months between man of steel and this, like, I mean, was Superman saving people in Gotham? Because I feel like this does in a weird way, kind of like Batman's whole thing. And like every iteration is that his priority is Gotham. Like he'll help out the justice league. He'll help save the world if it comes to that. But his priority is Gotham city. And to just put Superman like five minutes away is a bit strange because it's like maybe Superman should just handle everything since he can do 
everything you can do way quicker. (laughs) Yeah. Something through Batman's fingers. So it's kind of a weird interpretation in that sense. Yeah. I didn't really think about that. I guess that's true. Um, I mean, I guess the Batman in this film just really is not any other version of Batman that we've seen before. Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. So then we do get into the fight. Um, Matt, I think you, you know, you said this was boring. Um, I think you and I kind of different opinions here because I actually find this fight really enter- entertaining. I kind of like the the callbacks to um, the Dark Knight Returns. Um, I like the speech about how this is fear, breathe it in. Um, I think I really like how this fight is kind of like multi-leveled too. Like you go through the building, he gets chucked down the stairs and all that. Um, so I actually really enjoy this fight. I just wish it wasn't the whole point of this movie. Yeah, it's just, I guess, by nature of Superman being this superhuman being and Batman being a human. I mean, it's pretty slow choreography-wise. It's not that long of a fight. It ends pretty quick. You know, it gets to a point where I think he shoots off a second kryptonite grenade, hits Superman, tosses him down to the bottom floor, and then, you know, prepares to stab him with the spear. So, um, yeah, I just kind of felt like for the amount of, like, probably like two plus hours at this point into the movie, it takes that long to get there. It was a bit of a letdown for me. Um, Keith, what are your thoughts on this fight? Uh, about the same as y'all's. I mean, I, I was expecting it to be a little bit longer since that's the title of the movie, you know, <laughs> but, uh, it, we got what we got. Uh, definitely enjoyed, uh, Batman's exo exoskeleton, uh, suit though. I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought, uh, it kind of changed the way we looked at his suit from the previous movies that we've seen with Christian Bale and Michael Keaton and all mm-hmm. that. So I like that part of it. And then, yeah, I guess we can go into the, uh, right after the spear scene yeah so this takes us to the infamous uh, martha line Uh, and for me this line works Um, i know it's very divisive among fans and critics Um, personally i think if the batman really is this far gone in this film if he's on this just murdering tirade through gotham he's really lost his way i think in this moment the only thing that really would catch i guess catch him off guard is hearing his mother's name um, so I like the idea of this, but it's poorly executed in this scene. I think it sounds very dumb and ends up just kind of sounding very goofy. Yeah, I'm fine with the idea of it too. I mean, Superman's trying to appeal to this guy's humanity to save his mom. That's why he came to. That's why he came here. Um, but again, yeah, it's just the executions where it just falls flat for me. It's like he's about to get stabbed. He Batman has his foot like on his neck, and then his response is just because he's like being choked at the same time, he's like trying to talk without like having that much air. And he's just like, you know, save Martha. They're going to kill Martha. And then like Ben Affleck was like, why'd you say that name? (laughs) (laughs) Like the idea, you know, they're playing around with like the whole, the whole thing from the forties. Whenever this started, I mean, these characters, mothers have had the same name, which is kind of just a fun coincidence, but they actually kind of used it here. as like a story device to, end their conflict which is great it's cool in a vacuum it's just superman barely being able to talk and not saying i need you to save my mom or something like that he's like save martha and it's like if you're gonna say martha maybe give him a last name too <laughs> martha's not gonna help him that much yeah. um again we're just supposed to assume that he knows this is clark kent i don't know if he does i guess he does i i, I don't know um and then ben affleck just oh my god just yelling why he said that name and then Lois Lane comes out of nowhere like it's his mother (laughs) he's about to spear this guy through the chest he's like it's his mom (laughs) 
it's just so silly. And then again, of course, in order to hit it home, which we didn't need them to, they cut back to the opening scene where Thomas Wayne is dying. And instead of saying anything to comfort his son, who just lost both of his parents, just like, <laughs> stares in the eyes of his wife and just says, Martha. <laughs> which again is silly because they only did that so that they could now cut back to it and be like, oh, they have the same name. <laughs> it's, like, it's just so silly. I don't like it at all. And unless I'm wrong, I don't think that both their moms having the same name has ever really been explored before. Yeah, that's but, why it's kind of cool, and like at least as an idea. Yeah, but man, it's it is just so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you know it gives us a pretty cool scene coming up. Although, again, they botch it right after this scene too because. It's like, I feel like if this happened in real life, which again, this isn't real life, but I feel like if this happened, it's not like Batman would then go, okay, I trust you. It's like, I feel like he would start to ease into the idea of maybe working with this guy, or at least the very least he'd be like, okay, maybe, maybe I was wrong. You know, this guy caused this destruction, but I'm not, I don't view him as an alien anymore. This guy has some humanity. Earth is his home. Obviously that destruction messed him up too. That's not what Batman does. Right after this scene, they're just best friends. <laughs> He's like, yeah. he's like, don't worry, Clark. Martha doesn't die tonight. And it's like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm sure it's supposed to be implied that he's thinking of his own mom in, in this instance as maybe yes, I'm sure. somehow saving his own mother, but yeah. it is not executed well. I'm at sure all. Zack Snyder is on his weird Vero app telling everybody this. I'm sure he's like, <laughs> guys, he didn't get it. That's what I meant, you know? He was trying to show off his humanity. He was trying to say that he wanted to save his own mom if he could, but he can't because she got shot whenever her necklace got caught around a gun. You know what I mean? I'm sure that's what Zack Snyder is trying to say. But like most things he says, I don't really I don't really buy the depth at all. So whatever. Okay, so then this does take us into uh, you know, they split off. Superman goes to stop the Kryptonian ship and by default Lex Luthor. Um, and Batman goes to save Martha. And we, that does get us into, uh, I guess, kind of the cool fight scene of this movie is the warehouse scene. I, I think everybody really likes this scene. Um, however, on the way there, he does murder about 60 people with Gatling guns. <laughs> yeah, again, I mean, at the very least, this choreography is awesome. And the way that they shoot it is, this is probably my favorite um, shot scene in the movie. I guess maybe with the exception of the opening shot, I, I do love how they frame the metropolis incident from the human's point of view but anyway um the warehouse scene is really cool some great choreography it's nice to see that this batman doesn't fight like christian bale i know whatever christian bale was doing with i know that is a martial art but it just kind of comes off it's like the only thing he knows is like elbow fighting whereas dude his elbows must be destroyed by the time he retires well he has pads in them um <laughs> he has um but yeah here we get to see just like a brutal batman but we also get to see him use the gadgets which is really cool like he uses the bat claw to, like pull someone in and like clothesline them we get to see him jump my favorite part is he jumps over a crate while like choke slamming a guy's body into it and then he attaches a cable to it and flings the box into some other guys i mean this stuff's awesome i can't i can't say it isn't but yeah my, <laughs> my favorite part is when he shoots up through the floor and throws um those like yeah destabil destabilizing devices on everybody's guns and they're like whoa where the hell did that come from and then he's just above them immediately it's awesome then he just yeah. brutally stabs a dude against a wall 
it four times. I think it's like three or four. T- I think I was counting. I was like, oh my God. He just like kept going. I just- well, a guy also tries to throw a grenade at him, which seemed like a weird move because they're in a very closed space. <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to throw a grenade at this guy. And um, Batman, I guess he like flings something at him. And so he knocks out of his hand. And Batman's response is he hung a guy earlier by like a cable. So he just jump kicks this guy, this guy that's hanging their body. And the body hits the guy that's going to throw the grenade. And so then they both fall. They're on the ground. And then the guy that threw the grenade rushes over to try and get the grenade out of there. And then we just see them both explode. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and Keith, to your point about him stabbing that dude four times, to then also add insult to injury, he makes sure he wedges the battering further enough into where he's also stuck to the wall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All these guys died. <laughs> um, so, so yes, um, eventually Superman does save Martha. Then we get that weird line where he does say, I'm a friend of your, I'm a friend of your son. <laughs> I'm your son's best friend. <laughs> Uh, we go to the same school. We both love uh, horror movies. And he's like, oh, yeah, the cape. I'm like, oh, my God. Zack Snyder's trying to do humor again, like his classic laugh out loud line from Man of Steel, where she was like, you know, it all goes downhill after the first kiss. And he's like, that only applies to humans. These classic laugh out loud moments are back in full force here. And I couldn't be happier. Um, so meanwhile, uh, Superman is at the Kryptonian ship. Um, where we get introduced to Doomsday. Um, and I I really hate Doomsday in this movie. Um, it's such a shame because Doomsday in the comics is a really intimidating villain. I mean, he's this monster who goes around just destroying planets and only leaves when they're decimated. Um, there's one point in the comics where he eventually gets to the Green Lantern's homeworld and a hundred of them can't beat him. Um, the only way they can beat him is to like rip a hole in space and send him through it. Um, he was literally created because Superman is too overpowered and he's supposed to be Superman's doomsday. And what we got in this film is a shitty looking Ninja Turtle. Yeah, that gets stabbed with a stick and dies. Yeah, I, I personally didn't really care about that. I mean, Doomsday has never been a character I really had any care for. But yeah, even for me, I was like, yeah, I mean, this is just such a lame interpretation. Um, I mean, they, I feel like they only put this in here so that they could justify Superman dying, which is the same way he dies in the comics by Doomsday. And then also just to add to like Doomsday's villain credibility, like he's the only DC villain to defeat and kill Superman in the comic. Yeah. And the fight's never that interesting, but at the very least we get to see, you know, the DC Trinity come together for the first time. So we get to see Superman going head to head with Doomsday with all his heat vision and super strength. We get to see Wonder Woman with her sword and shield just going crazy on this guy and seemingly enjoying every part of it. And even though Batman, I think in terms of actual like hit points if you want to call it that i think he really only like fires a couple uh kryptonite grenades and that's really all he does but at the very least we get to see stuff that we have not seen batman do which is fighting an otherworldly entity um and like you know just using his grappling gun to like evade and like it's it's cool it's something we haven't really seen him do in live action so that was appreciated at the very least i guess yeah and and before before really the rest of the Trinity joins the fight, we do kind of get that. I don't know if it's cool, but I do like it where they, they try to nuke doomsday up in space and Superman gets blasted by the radiation and has to like soak up the sun. I I mean, I just think it's cool because it looks like it's from the dark Knight returns, but it's really just kind of wedged in there too, as a reference for the fans. No, yeah, mm-hmm. when he goes all blue and skeleton, like 
<laughs> yeah, gotta yeah. get yeah. some UV rays to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so eventually Wonder Woman does join this fight. Um, like you said, Matt, they all kind of each have their own little moments with Doomsday, Doomsday. and then eventually, um, Amy Adams as Lois Lane pulls the spear out from, I guess, from like a well or something like that. Uh, um, yeah. And Superman plunges the spear into Doomsday, but not without a cost to his own life. Yeah, I guess he had to like shove the spear all the way through Doomsday apparently to kill him, like literally until the entire tip came out the other end. Um, and yeah, in the meantime, Doomsday just stabbed him through the chest. So yeah, Superman dies, kind of expected based on the inclusion of Doomsday, but you know, is what it is. I'm not, I, I don't really feel anything because again, I don't really know this version of Superman that well. I feel like they kind of did him a disservice. Yeah, it's not, I don't think it's as emotional as they wanted it to be, but it still is kind of shocking to see a dead Superman on screen. And that that frame of like Doomsday holding Superman up and then the Batman and Wonder Woman underneath him is a really cool looking frame. Yeah, for sure. Um, so then we get the funeral scene. We get the funeral for Superman in Metropolis and then the funeral for Clark um, in Kansas. Um, and you kind of see Bruce, I guess, regretting his actions and, Uh, really meeting up with Diana and saying, we need to form a team. Um, I failed him in life. I won't fail him in death. Again, talking like this guy changed his life and was his best friend. (laughs) So whatever, I guess we have to accept it in order to move on. Like just kind of got to accept it, but yeah. So clearly setting up justice league here. Yeah. um, I mean, if I frame this movie as a redemption story for a Batman who's lost his way, does that make it any more interesting to you? No. Because I just don't think the redemption is at all interesting. I mean, this guy murders probably close to a hundred people in this movie. Um, some of them just like petty criminals, seemingly. And um, his quote-unquote redemption is just that he doesn't kill something. I guess he doesn't kill Doomsday because he can't. <laughs> he never would be able to. But again, yeah. I mean, I guess he agrees to save Superman's mom, um, and then. At the end, he's just like, I failed him in life. I won't fail him in death. It's like, I just don't feel like the redemption's there. I, I think they were trying to hint at it. I just don't think they fully executed. Yeah. Um, and then we really do get to the, I guess, the only scene with Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor that I like, where he's now in prison. Um, Batman comes to see him. He's shaved. Um, in the Ultimate Edition, we see that previously he'd engaged with Steppenwolf, and I guess is now just kind of on knowledge overload. Yeah. Um, and he warns Batman that um, I guess like a bell has been rung, that the God is dead and they're coming. Yeah. Basically again, setting up justice league or the future that used to be like, yeah. the future of DC, like at least where Zack Snyder wanted to take it, you know, saying that Steppenwolf and presumably dark side are coming and they might fulfill um, Batman's nightmare sequence from earlier. So Yeah. He looks cool bald, but other than that, not too much cool stuff here. I feel I don't really feel like. Yeah, and then we pan into uh, Clark's uh, coffin where the dirt rises, and then the credits roll. Wow, we knew we knew Superman wasn't dead or wasn't going to stay dead, and they kind of that was the end shot to confirm that. Um, okay, so I guess let's just once again say our our final thoughts on this movie. Um, both when we originally saw it and then our thoughts on a rewatch. Um, Keith, you want to go ahead? Yeah, I'll go ahead. So original thoughts. I mean, like I said, I don't really remember much just watching the fight scene. So I'll just go right into my thoughts now. Yeah. You were pretty drunk when you saw it first oh, time, yeah, right? I was very drunk. So I don't I only remember seeing the uh, doomsday fight, which 
So maybe you and maybe you enjoyed the movie more if you got to skip the first three, four. Yeah, actually, did. I was like, oh wow, this is pretty interesting, and then fell asleep again. So, but uh, no thoughts now. Like I said earlier, I think they probably should have uh, had a longer fight between Batman versus Superman because I mean that is like the title of the movie. And um, but I, I mean I get where they were going with it, but um, and maybe it should have happened earlier, and then they could have more of a build up to him and Bruce being friends. That way, their friendship would make more sense in the end. Rather than Bruce all of a sudden you know, just turning into his best friend. Jesse Eisenberg's performance, I think it could have been a little bit better. I mean, he was kind of trying too hard at the creepiness, I think, of it. I know you could just tell he was acting, you know. <laughs> uh, he was acting just a little bit too much or too hard. Trying too hard. Yeah, you can say, you can, you can join me, Keith. You can say he sucked. Yeah, I think he kind of sucked. Until the end there. I looked, I looked at the little <laughs> ding, 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 ding part at the... Um, what what was that a considered um, Arkham Asylum at the end or no? Nah? No, he says he's going to take him to Arkham Asylum. Mm, okay, but yeah, that's my final thoughts on it. Yeah, I like this movie a lot more this time around. I think ultimately, what it comes down to is probably the first half. I thought was pretty strong. I mean, of course, there were some silly moments in there that I think were unintentionally silly and just poor like writing moments or whatever. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I like the setup of Batman motivation, the Superman motivation. I really like the trial of Superman. I like all that stuff. Um, I like the intro to Lex. And again, I like his performance and I like all the other performances. Um, I just think my big things are once we get to like the fight between Batman and Superman and then the rest of the movie, it just feels really rushed. I mean, there's some cool moments of choreography throughout that, but ultimately it just kind of fell apart for me towards the end and throughout the movie again like i said i liked the performance but i just was kind of ended up being baffled by the lex Luthor motivations i wasn't entirely sure what he was going for even by the end so yeah i think there's a lot to like in this movie like i said first half was pretty solid but uh yeah you know it is what it is at least i liked it better this time around yeah for me i almost kind of regret doing a rewatch because um Prior to a rewatch, I've, I think I've always found myself in the role of defending this film. Um, but on this rewatch, man, I really did not enjoy it. I think it's great in like the first act and maybe midway through the second act. But then it just really starts to fall apart for me. Um, I do like Ben Affleck's Batman. I hope we'll see him in the future, although it's highly doubtful. I still enjoy Henry Cavill's Superman. Um, I do not enjoy Lex Luthor. Um, but then overall, I do like the rest of the supporting cast. Um but yeah, for me, I mean, this is definitely the weakest of Snyder's films, at least in the DCEU. Yeah, I guess we'll have to break that down more after talking about Justice League, or I guess the Joss Whedon version, or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. Okay, so that was Batman v Superman. Um, also, just like this film, this episode, a little bit longer than Man of Steel. This is our ultimate edition, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Our platinum album. Yes, sir. Um, okay, well, thank you guys once again. Thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back next week uh, with our deep dive into Justice League, and then we'll be digging into all the rumors about Zack Snyder's um, Snyder cut of Justice League. So be sure to tune in next week. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe and uh, rate our show. We really appreciate that as we continue to grow. All right. Thanks, guys. like i wouldn't say like the final shot of the dirt rising grip me but i will say the post credit scene did kind of get me on board for like maybe the future did you guys like that part 
Oh, great. What is what is the post credit scene? Well, it was, I guess, I guess it's supposed to be after the funeral. <laughs> Fuck. Hold on, hold on. Okay, you can cut before I left. But um, I guess it takes place after, like, the funeral at some point. Like, it's just Alfred in the Batcave. And... <laughs> Fuck. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm just gonna start from there. I'm just gonna start right from. <laughs> I'm so excited to say it. I think you guys will like it. It's just the idea is making me laugh. <laughs>